For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday morning for me, Saturday night, uh, after this this wonderful game that the Nuggets just put together against the Los Angeles Clippers. They go on the road. It's a tough run. They've had a lot of wins. It would be easy for them to drop this one. Clippers just get back Kawhi Leonard. A lot of things working against Denver. They don't have Jamal Murray. They don't have Monte Morris, Will Barton, and they still win. Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. just dazzled tonight in this Nuggets win over the Clippers, 110-104. This was a signature performance for Nikola Jokic that in such a tough situation, he was able to thrive despite despite the problems around him, despite the the questions and the shooting and everything else that's that's plaguing Denver right now from an injury perspective, Denver just keeps on rolling. Michael Porter, he lights it up against Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, all of these guys. The Clippers are supposed to be one of the best teams at defending wings. They have so many wings that they can throw at all these players. And Michael Porter Jr. said, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to score 25 points on 17 shots, and that's just how it's going to be. That is incredible. This was a really, really incredible win for Denver. I think they moved to 9-1 and one without Jamal Murray uh, since that injury. And they just keep rewriting the storybook. This was a team that was going to be dead in the water. That given the, the, the difficulty that it would be to figure out how to play without Jamal Murray. How to navigate those waters. Denver just keeps rising to the occasion, and, and it still happened without Morris and Barton. Like, Faku Campazzo still stepping up. P.J. Dozier still stepping up. But more than anything, Nikola Jokic has been awesome. Michael Porter Jr. has just been unbelievably good. And the defense. The defense overall has taken a massive step forward. We're going to talk about why. But let's talk about Nikola Jokic, the big story tonight. His stats tonight were just ridiculous. 30 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, had a block, 0 turnovers tonight. In a game where, or kind of in a season where, and especially lately, that, that Jokic's turnovers had gone up because of the situation around him. He's, he's had to deal with a lot of pressure. He cut those down all the way tonight. His decision making was on point. He made all of the right reads. Made all of the shots that he needed to make. 9 of 17 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Uh, two of those fouls were three-point fouls. One of them late was a, a 
It was a generous call, is what I will say, but he has earned the benefit of the doubt in a tremendous way. I believe that he is starting to get the respect that he deserves, and you start to see it in some of these games where he's asking for these calls, he's trying to point out to referees where the foul is going to occur, and then it does occur, and the ref does call a foul. Some of those fouls he wasn't get getting earlier this month, or earlier last month in, in April. March. It was a slog at times for him. He had to figure it out. The Nuggets had to figure it out, but they have certainly done so. And Jokic just continues to impress. Some of the shots that he made tonight, 30 points. Like It's just hard to fathom it at times. Uh, hit the, the incredible Sambor shuffle on the right baseline uh, and then talk some shit to the Clippers bench. That was awesome. But he just leverages Ivisa Zubac and DeMarcus Cousins and the entire LA Clippers defense in such a way that they have to double. But if they don't double, then that means, or if, if they do double, then that means they're giving open shots to other players. And there were just enough shots that were hit tonight. Uh, Faku Campazo hit two of his four threes. PJ Dozier had one of six. Aaron Gordon was 0 for 2, but he did some nice cuts and got to the rim. And he had a he had a late basket late that I'm going to talk about, but Michael Porter was also very good four of seven. I'll talk about him too. Jokic just continues to step up, and this is a a consistent thing. It's the way that he does this, where all of the chips just continue to be stacked against him. And and despite the fact that he has a good matchup against Davisa Zubac, who just cannot guard him, it, it, it at least appears. Jokic feels very comfortable in these situations, and, and he hasn't seen anything yet that he hasn't seen before. And he just sees the floor at an, at an incredible rate. And then when the, the Clippers, they just they don't really have an answer for him when he's in his bag. Because clearly, like, he did miss some shots tonight. 9 of 17 means he missed 8 shots. He actually lowered his, uh, his field goal percentage tonight. But I will take that any day of the week. Because what he continues to do on a consistent basis is just mind-boggling. Uh, there's nothing like it, really, in the NBA, where he can go through several different sequences as a pick-and-pop guy, and he will uh, have the pick-and-pop, he will take the shot, and then he'll pump fake and get all the way to the rim for a layup or a dunk. And then when he's in the post, he'll fake or he'll do the Sambor shuffle. And then he goes back into the post, and instead of kind of getting into his normal post routine, he does the Steve Smith, the Smitty, and then spins right in front of the Clippers bench, right away from Avisa Zubac, and hits an easy shot. When he got into the post, he did some baseline spins. When he got to his spots, he just had to turn and fade, uh, took a couple jump shots, and those went in. It was just a really, really impressive array of shot making from him. And then the passing, too. Like, the last pass that he threw, uh, kind of that that really sealed the game, to Faku Campazo, where he gets doubled in the post, sees that Rajan Rondo's man, or Rajan Rondo is sneaking off of his man, who is Faku. Jokic reads the floor, realizes that the, the help side defender on the weak side for the Clippers isn't going to move over to Faku. So he kind of half lasers, half arcs a pass, right to the outstretched arms of Faku Campazo in his shooting pocket. And it put the ball into a position where Faku could just catch the ball, hit the shot, make a very clutch play, 
But it was all started because of the way that Jokic dictated things. He made sure that he knew where the help was coming and took advantage of the Clippers when they did it. He sees this team really well. And the way that he played them in the playoffs, I think that this is going to be a consistent thing. That whichever teams that he plays in the playoffs, uh, it was the, the Spurs before with Aldridge. It was the Blazers before with uh, Enes Cantor. And then last year, it was the Jazz and the Clippers. He has f- He's fared really well against those teams, especially of late, just as he continues to level up. Just does incredible things. And he keeps rising to the occasion. This was an MVP moment for sure, where you know that, that everybody was watching. You know that on a Saturday night, Clippers, Nuggets, battle for the three seed. This was an opportunity shorthanded for the Nuggets to crumble. And they didn't. And Jokic was the biggest reason why. Puts the team on his back, continues to make the incredible shots, the incredible passes, adds 14 rebounds to boot, leads both teams in points, rebounds, and assists, and just continues to do incredible things and play in an incredible way. So I'm very excited to see it. I'm very excited to watch him continue to do it. Uh, he got the Lakers coming up next, so that should be a, a fun matchup for him as well. The other story, Michael Porter Jr. I'm running out of superlatives. Like, I, I don't know how to quantify him anymore. Because what he is doing right now is... I, I don't want to say the word unprecedented. Because that leaves me to, like... Like, there is some, there's some definite, like, things that can come back to bite me there. But what he's doing right now is unfathomable. The stats tonight are fine. They they don't really do it justice. 25 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists tonight. He's in a situation right now where his game continues to grow. If there is one major weakness in his game, it's that he doesn't playmake for others that well. Averages 1 assist per game. And he's always been the tip of the spear, kind of the, the sword that really kind of kills people. Uh, from a scoring perspective and a rebounding perspective and kind of on the edge of what Jokic does. But he has to evolve as a playmaker if the ball is going to be in his hands more. And the Nuggets, they have been pretty forthcoming about that. They, They want to give him these opportunities. And to his credit, on a big stage, Porter did exactly that. Had a couple assists to Nikola Jokic, maybe three. I remember he had one assist uh, driving to the rim off of a catch, and then collapsing the defense, three defenders on him at the rim, and he lasers a pass over to the left corner for a Jermichael Green three. Very impressive pass, very impressive read, and kind of a stepping stone in the right direction for him. He's not always going to make those decisions, and he's not always going to to make the right call, but you want to see those things. You want to see him be able to show it in a way that he hasn't yet before. Five assists, I think, ties a season high, maybe a career high for him. So this is a big deal. But the real thing with him is the shot making. It's just the approach and the way that he does it against a a really, really tough situation where Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you know that their assignments tonight were to guard and to limit Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter didn't care. So many of the shots that he took were absurdly tough. 
to the point where it's almost like, like you don't want them taking too many of those because it can develop some bad habits and you want to continue to have him working for the best possible shot he can get. But settling for an average one, not a poor one. But the thing is, when you can double pump a three in the corner, when somebody hits the ball and still make it, I don't know if I should tell him to do anything at all. I don't know if I should tell him to limit that shot, to not take those shots, because if there's anybody in the league that can do those things, you want them to continue to expand the boundaries of what they can do, to to try to find the limit. Because if there is no limit, that's when you get Steph Curry. That's when you get Klay Thompson. That's when you get some of these other incredible shooters, uh, Damian Lillard from, like, half court. Like, you, you find so many of these guys that will take these absurd shots. And it always starts with the willingness to take it. It always starts with the mentality that you can make any shot on the court. I feel that Michael Porter Jr. is reaching that stage, or at least approaching that stage, where he thinks he can make any shot on the court and is going to be willing to take some pretty aggressive ones really soon. It's going to be a battle for Michael Malone. It's going to be a battle for Nikola Jokic. And they're going to have to figure that out. But the tough, the tough shot making in the playoffs is really, really important. I asked Michael Malone about that, and he was—he basically said as much that look, you have to have guys in the playoffs that are willing to take those shots and able to take those shots on a consistent basis. Uh, he continues to prove it, and I think that uh, I think that really stands out. Let me just find this quote from Michael Malone. I think that. Um, Pretty sure that Mike Singer posted it for me. Uh, That's definitely great to have two guys that can make tough shots because that's what you're going to need to win close games. Somebody's got to step up and have the courage and balls to make a big shot. Michael Malone's not lying. And and I think the big balls factor is, is, is a pretty big deal because... Jamal Murray was like he some of the biggest balls on the team, like from a, a tough shot making and willingness perspective in those situations. He earned that right through repetition, through responsibility, and then through uh, willingness and, and ability to do it. Michael Porter is responding to that call, though. He's responding to that pressure. He keeps evolving his game in several ways, but he's not losing so many of the things that he does well already. He's still cutting well off ball. He's still shooting a high percentage from three, and he's going to be one of the great scorers in today's league. And it's happening really fast, like really fast. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, it's just, it's it's mind-blowing. I think that his ceiling still rising means that Denver's ceiling should still be rising this season. That's without Jamal Murray, and I'm as big of a Jamal Murray fan as anybody. If they had this version of Michael Porter Jr., along with a healthy Jamal Murray, I think they would be the favorites to win the title. My opinion. But, they don't, and they've had to go through some tough times, and they've had to figure it out. Nikola Jokic has had to figure it out. Michael Porter has had to figure it out. Those trials, those tribulations, they might be better for them in the long run. And we've seen how fire how being forged in the fire 
can really help this particular team because they're very resilient. They know what they're doing. And, and I think that they're going to be a tough out for anybody, no matter what. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the defense, the bench, and some of the big shots hit by the starters late. We'll be right back. Back here on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Uh, really appreciate all the love and support. Uh, the, the, re- the reviews, sorry, as I stutter and make sure you, you want to review it with one star. Uh, the reviews have been great. You guys have been awesome. And I just wanted to have a big shout out for everybody that's left a review so far. They keep flowing in and it's awesome to watch. Uh, you guys are great. So thank you so much. Um, Let's talk about the defense, and let's talk about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George specifically. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was a late addition to, or he was questionable on the injury report and ultimately ended up playing. It's not a surprise that he ended up playing. It felt like they were holding him out for this game in particular, which honestly makes this win that much more sweet because when you when you save a guy to try to win a big game and then you still lose because Nikola Jokic is incredible, Makes it all the more sweet. Uh, but Kawhi, he was pretty good tonight. He went 7 of 12 from the field, had some really good moments, and, and moved the ball pretty well. There were times where he missed shots, but it wasn't like it wasn't above and beyond. He played only 30 minutes tonight, and, and I posited on a, on podcast yesterday with Robert Flom. Uh, make sure to follow him, by the way, good Clippers fan and writer. I posited that he would be at about 30 minutes and that you wouldn't be playing him a high-minute total because he's coming off of an injury. And that was a big difference tonight, because if Denver had to face 40 minutes of Kawhi, as opposed to 30 minutes of Kawhi, they might have lost. But Paul George was out there for 38 minutes, and he went 20 points on 21 shots, 5 of 21 from the field, 7 of 11 from the free throw line. He had a ton of opportunities a ton of opportunities as a jump shooter to make this work, to make this work, to give the Clippers the win. And I thought that Denver did a really nice job of at least forcing him to make jump shots. They weren't going to be perfect. And this, like this Nuggets team, they have good personnel to match up with Kawhi. Not sure how great the personnel is to match up with Paul George, but they still did it. And I think the captain of that is PJ Dozier. Uh, just going through the scoring chart. I went through all of the clips and I posted this graphic on Twitter. Here's how the breakdown happened. Uh, Paul George, he, when he was on Faku Campazo, went 0 of 1. Shaq Harrison, 0 of 1. Jamichael Green, 0 of 1. Michael Porter, 0 of 1. Michael Porter spent more of his time on Marcus Morris and Kawhi. Aaron Gordon, 1 of 2. Uh, he switched on to Paul George at times. Nikola Jokic, he went 1 of 3. Uh, he hit a three in the corner, a very impressive three in the corner, I might add, over to Nikola Jokic. But Jokic blocked his shot one time, and uh, he also did a good job of contesting and kind of covering for Aaron Gordon. Against Austin Rivers, shot one of four. And against P.J. Dozier, he shot two of eight. So 25%, 25%, 33%, 50% on Aaron Gordon, and then 0% on everybody else. The Nuggets did their job. Like, they did a really, really nice job against Paul George. 
I thought that Faku not having a ton of options or a ton of reps on Paul George was a big difference because though he went 0 of 1 on Faku, I thought there would have been more times where early in this game, Denver had to really overcorrect for Faku getting switched onto the wings, whether it was Kawhi, Paul George, even Marcus Morris. Like, Jokic did not want to leave Faku alone. And even if Faku would have done well, I think it's that psychological thing where you see a 5'9 guy being uh, covering a 6'8, 6'7, 6'9 guy. Like, those guys have a foot of size and over 50 pounds, probably 70 pounds on them. So it's, it is what it is. Denver kind of had to deal with it. They had to figure it out, and, and they ultimately did. Uh, but the big key tonight was P.J. Dozier. His development is something Nuggets fans should be just so very happy about. Because finding him on a two-way contract, being able to bring him in, and, and I think, what was he on a two-way or was he on a... No, I think they upgraded him and gave him the last spot on... If I'm not mistaken, I think they gave him the last spot in the rotation in the regular season of, of 2019-20. They gave him a, a full roster spot, and he spent most of his time in the G League. But when he went, or when Jamal Murray went down with an ankle sprain in the middle of January against the Charlotte Hornets, I remember this. I was at that game. It was a big deal. P.J. Dozier comes in in the second half and just lights it up. Five of seven, I think. 12 points, something like that, but he was poised. He was very good. He was, like, you could see the tools. You could see how long and athletic he was, but also how he kind of glides to the rim. And he showed that off tonight as well. I thought that in addition to the defense, which anytime you hold Paul George to two of eight, like, you get credit for that. It's not just, like, Paul George missed shots. You get credit for two of eight and not letting him get to the rim either. All of Paul George's shots on P.J. Dozier were step-back threes, were step-back twos, uh, trying to just pull up uh, from from the perimeter. And he never really attacked P.J. at the rim, except for, I think, one time, and it didn't go well. So just a very, very impressive opportunity for P.J. Dozier here. He went 7 of 15 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, 16 points, 5 rebounds, only had one assist, and he had four turnovers. So it's not like this has been perfect here. Boney, you've got the Clippers, and you've got a really tough matchup. Sometimes you just got to figure it out and power through. Like, Denver doesn't have the optimal lineup out there for P.J. Dozier to succeed. I think that Murray being out there would be more helpful. I think that, uh, like, Murray instead of Campazzo would be more helpful, though Faku has really helped him too. Uh, I think that, if you have Porter out there, then you probably want another wing other than Gordon who can shoot threes a little bit better. That opens things up for PJ a little bit, but for him to shoot six of nine from inside the arc, ignore the, the three-point shooting, six of nine inside the arc, including an and one, that was a really, really big deal. They backed off on him. They were playing, when they played drop coverage or when they switched, they were daring him to shoot shots in the mid-range, and he did. He responded in a big, big way. That is exactly what you want from a guy who you probably just need to step up and be your third scoring option at this point. PJ has struggled with that at times, and Faku has done it at times, but I think that PJ is the guy that you want to do that. 
Aaron Gordon, I think I'm just more and more concerned about his ability to scale up with Denver's offense. It feels like that Porter takes all of his shot attempts for a, for a good reason, believe me. Like, Porter is incredible. But they need a guard who can create. And I don't think that's Aaron Gordon. I don't think it's Faku, though he's had his moments. I think it's probably got to be P.J., and P.J. has stepped up in that regard. Sometimes it's led to some inefficient nights, but like tonight, like if he hits one more three, he's got 19 points on 15 shots, it looks even better. So, very impressed with him. This was a tough matchup. They need him to be big against the Lakers on Monday. Other things, the bench performance. Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green, for just the first half alone, they need to take a bow. 17 points in the first half to get Denver that lead. Uh, they each finish in, uh, Millsap finishes as a plus nine. Jermichael Green finishes as a plus 15. Uh, they were both very important. And Millsap in particular, uh, he start, like he finished this game one of six from the field. And I'm sure Matt Moore's going to ignore that. He's, he's going to, he's going to just make sure to highlight the fact that Paul Millsap shot four of four to start this game. And, and the way that he was getting those shots was really, really important through the flow of Denver's offense. They needed somebody with that bench unit to kind of assume the the load to make sure that they were getting a good shot. And Paul Millsap was generating good shots in the post against any of the matchups that he went on. Uh, it was Patrick Patterson most of the time, but he had an opportunity against uh, DeMarcus Cousins in the second half that went. Uh, and then anybody he got switched on to, he just he cooked in the first half. So it, very impressive from him. Jamichael Green against his former team gives nine points, three of six from the field, two of three from three, gets an and one opportunity as well. Uh, 9.7 rebounds, two assists, one block. Austin Rivers, also against his former team, had three points on seven shots, was not a good finisher at the rim, was not a good finisher from three. He only went one of three, but the, the one three that he did hit was important. He had four assists. He had one steal. And he was a lead, a team high plus 22. And I don't think that that was an accident. I think that his ability and his veteran leadership to be able to switch, to call out things against the Clippers, uh, to make sure that, that Denver was in the right place and he was spacing the floor the right way. He was a guy who hit the extra pass a lot, where the ball would find him, he would pass to the open guy, and then that player would make a shot. Whether it was Porter, whether it was Millsap, whether it was Green, he did a nice job. Of, of count of, of capitalizing on those options and I liked what I saw I, it, it's hard to it's hard to hate I need to see the three go down a little bit more but other than that there's not much more you can ask of Austin Rivers he's done everything else at a really high level so good on him 26 minutes tonight probably not he thought he not what he thought he was going to do so good for him uh, two more things before we hit another break. The scariness from Rajon Rondo and DeMarcus Cousins tonight. That was probably the weirdest thing, just sitting on the couch at home. DeMarcus Cousins still looks pretty good. Like, he still looks like a really, really solid shooter and offensive player. Did a good job posting up against Paul Millsap, popped out from three against Nikola Jokic, and just made a lot of shots. And 16 points in 14 minutes tonight. Rajon Rondo was perhaps even more impressive. He had 18 points on 12 shots. Uh, he went 2 of 5 from 3. 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. 
Uh, he kept the Clippers in this game. It was really just him. <laughs> it was very, very impressive. Uh, the plus-minus for him doesn't do it justice. He was being dragged down by a lot of other guys. But just really impressed with Rajon Rondo. And I hope that he goes away. I hope that the Nuggets don't have to face him in a playoff series because they will find a way to lose to him because he he just does whatever. Like, he has this knack in these high-pressure situations. And tonight was a high-pressure situation. And he was definitely at least their third-best player. Probably their second-best player, let's be honest, over Paul George. So, impressive performance from him. The Nuggets, they probably don't have to deal with the Clippers in the playoffs. We'll just have to see how it goes, but... If they did, that would be a matchup I would be concerned with. And then the final thing, big-time shots from Faku, P.J. Dozier, Aaron Gordon, and there was a a layup off of a transition pass from Jokic uh, from MPJ as well. All of those guys hit a big shot. Despite the fact that there were struggles throughout, that there were turnovers, it didn't look very good in, in the clutch time. Denver at one point, I think they were up by three points with about two minutes left to go in the game. And it got pretty close, and this was the time where they they needed big-time shots, and I think it was P.J. Dozier who got the first shot for them, where he had to hit hit a jumper, and he did. Uh, I don't remember who it was against, but I I yelled at that point, because P.J. Dozier in those situations, he just didn't show any fear at all, where you needed him to be in the position that he was, and he had to be cool, calm, and collected, and saw that he was open and rose up for a mid-range jumper. And those are the shots that you know that if you can play, if if you are if you have the guts to be able to play and hit shots in those situations, he's going to last in this league for a long time. Teams know that. Teams look at that and they see what he does, what he did. Oh God, what he did and what he does on a consistent basis. And they they recognize that. Before that, Aaron Gordon hit a nice turnaround fadeaway. I think it was against Paul George, if I'm not mistaken. And then Faku on the Jokic pass over the top from the the strong side post to the weak side corner. Jokic arcs a pass right into Faku's outstretched hands for a clean open jumper. Michael Porter se- celebrates with Faku. Everybody's super happy for him. It really was a dagger shot. I thought that they should close with Austin Rivers at that point. Clearly, I was wrong. Uh, Faku did what the Nuggets needed him to do, and they they got the dub for it. All right, let's take a final break. When we come back, we're going to talk some big picture stuff because this team, they are changing the narrative. We will be right back. Pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Final segment, let's talk big picture. Let's talk about what the Nuggets just accomplished. They take the third seed after a while of seeing themselves in the bracket with the Lakers. That that would be the matchup. That would be what happens if they don't move up. The Lakers, barring the fact that they just dropped down to the sixth seed, we won't talk about that. But... Denver saw, I think, an an insurmountable hill to climb. 
And with the way that the Jazz, the Suns, the Clippers were all playing, like I think there was a 15-game stretch where Denver went 12-3 or 11-4. I think it was 11-4. And And all three of the Suns, the Jazz, and the Clippers at least went 11-4 along with them. That was that had to have been pretty tough because if you're Denver, if you're you're looking at the standings, you're trying to get out of that matchup with the Lakers, and you're thinking, well, shit, like how are we supposed to do anything if the teams above us don't lose? And there is one way that they could control their own fate, and it's to take down the teams in front of them. And this was a battle for possession of the third seed, and it might flip flop if they lose on on Monday. Like, the Clippers, they still have a pretty easy schedule going. I think it's actually more likely that the Clippers still win the third seed. But it's just so impressive to see what Denver has done in the midst of all of these injuries and all of the all of the potential excuses that they could use. Nikola Jokic, he has played a ton of minutes, just an absolute gargantuan amount of minutes this year within the realm that he has played, uh, within the uh, within the, the time frame. And it wouldn't surprise me if he if he was tired, if he felt like he, he needed a break, but he didn't look at tonight. He looked energized, if anything. He was moving really well. He was agile with a lot of his moves. He was making sure to, to leave Ivisa Zubac in the dust on many occasions. Denver without Murray... Without Her- or without Barton, without Morris, after a trade of Gary Harris and R.J. Hampton, bringing in Faku Campazzo for the first time this year, bringing in Aaron Gordon new, Austin Rivers, Shaq Harrison, they're off the scrap heap. Like Denver, they needed to find answers, and they have brought in guys off the street who have been great contributors, just really, really valuable for the minutes that they've offered, for what they've provided. Denver's not asking for a lot, but they are asking for people that will commit to their team, to their program. And that's exactly what's happened. And everybody has bought in. It is clear as day that everybody on this team believes in the message, believes in the cause. The Jamal injury was a big deal. Nobody knows what's going to happen because of that now. I think everybody assumes that they're going to go down. That, that's going to be a big problem. But Denver, don't tell them that. Don't tell the Nuggets that. There is a psychological thing, I think, with trying to with trying to get away from the from the Lakers. And it's not like the Nuggets are are actively like they're just trying to win games. Like they're trying to get themselves to be in a position where they can be playoff ready. They'll look at the standings later. But there is something to be said about getting away from the Lakers, the team that just last beat you, that you feel like is the only team that you could possibly be worse than. Because now you don't have Jamal Murray and they still have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And that's understandable. Like, I get that. And I fully believe that, actually despite the fact that Denver has some good matchups now. It's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles this game on Monday, uh, because this is kind of the final demon. This is the final juggernaut 
that stands in their way psychologically. And they brought in Aaron Gordon for that reason, to size up against the Clippers and the Lakers. They committed to Michael Porter for a reason, because they needed an athletic forward to match up with the Clippers and the Lakers. P.J. Dozier's in their plans because he's 6'6". It's a big deal. Will Barton is still around and not Gary Harris because he's 6'5", 6'6", and playing really well. Denver's done a lot to make themselves into a team that can match up with the Lakers and the Clippers. And now we're going to th- we're going to think about all these seeding hijinks. We're going to think about how Denver could try to get away from that matchup and how they could try to gear themselves away. I wonder if they play the Lakers tomorrow or not tomorrow on on Monday. And if things go well for them, if Michael Porter has a big game, if LeBron James has a big game and Anthony Davis has a big game and Denver still wins, I wonder if Denver stops really trying to think about the seeding in any way, shape, or form. They might have a preferred path. But with the way that Nikola Jokic is playing, the way that Michael Porter is playing, the way that the rest of the team has responded defensively around those two guys, I wonder if they go ahead and decide, we're just going to let the chips fall where they may. We are going to get ourselves ready for these playoffs and Whichever seed that we have, whichever team we face in the first round, great. Because it's kind of hard to figure out who they're going to face right now. Between the Lakers and the Nuggets, or the Clippers and the Nuggets battling for the 3-4. And the Lakers, Mavericks, and Blazers all battling for the 5-6-7. There is reason to believe that you don't necessarily know... like. you may not know who you're going to face until the night of the last night of the regular season. That actually kind of makes sense to me. And it it wouldn't surprise me in any way, shape or form because the Mavericks and the Lakers are currently tied in the standings and Portland is one game behind them. So worrying about what's behind you, worrying about the team that you're going to face in the first round, especially without Jamal Murray, I think you still want to give yourself the best chance to win, but Denver, because they've geared up, because they've been in the situation where they've they've added Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter is playable now, and they are in a situation where if things go well on Monday night, they may just not care. We're going to see how they handle it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what else to, to talk about before we go? There is a possibility, albeit very small, that the Nuggets even rise to the top two. Utah, Phoenix, they are three games up in the loss column on Denver. Denver has a tougher schedule. They have eight games remaining. And if they went 8-0, then that means the Jazz would, they could, they would have to go 6-2 in order to outpace the Nuggets. Denver does face the Jazz. Um, they do face the Jazz very soon, uh, on May 7th, and it doesn't look like Donovan Mitchell is going to be ready for that game. They already have the tiebreaker against the Suns, so all they need to do to put themselves in a really good position where maybe they just climb up over this morass of teams and just play the the winner of the 7-8 matchup in the play-in game. 
Maybe they climb up over Utah or Phoenix. It's unlikely. It would take a slip up from one of those two teams. Maybe both. But the way that Denver is playing right now, the way that they approach tonight's game, the way that everybody seems to write them off and they just continue to respond, I'm not sure I should write them off for not getting a top two seed. Again, it's unlikely. The math on that is would be pretty tough. But they got a big one tonight against a team that many thought they would be better or that they, that would be better than them, especially without Jamal Murray. Now, maybe catch the Lakers napping a little bit. Maybe LeBron isn't ready quite yet. Maybe AD isn't ready quite yet. And you get another game on Monday. You win that one. And then you win the next one. Then you win the next one. Then you win the next one. Just got to take it one step at a time. And maybe, just maybe, you might find yourself in a position that you didn't think that you could be in. That would be really impressive for me. And I think Nuggets fans would be really happy too. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will probably have another episode tomorrow. It wouldn't surprise me if I podcasted with a Lakers guest so that they could preview the game with me. Uh, you guys seem to like the preview that I did with Robert Flom, and I think that it makes sense to have another preview. So if I get it up, that's great. If not, I've podcasted four days in a row, so I, I might just need a break and on a Sunday, but... Whatever the case may be, you guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for all of the love and support. The Nuggets, they make it easy, man. They make it easy to talk about them, to talk about Jokic, to talk about Porter, and to talk about all the people that have stepped up along the way. It has been awesome. It has been unbelievable. And you guys have been there right along with it to support me. Thank you so much, everybody. Talk to you guys very soon.